0: You're listening to The Morning Joe Ranch Show. A dig deep, embrace yourself, and enjoy The Wild Ride podcast. Topics of politics, climate, economics, life, and the pursuit to complain about everything. Welcome back to the show. Um, I'm going to get right into it. Today's topics are the power of consumption and learning, echo chambers, that kind of goes with that one, um, the perfect democracy, sorry, the perfect democracy may not be what you think, um, cost of living in like the math of cost of like the, the math of it, and the call for decentralized and evolving. Uh, so the first thing I want to get into is the power of consumption and learning. And kind of like echo chambers in a way, too. Um, So there was a really good tweet from Andrew Wilkinson. And for those of you, I didn't really know who he was, but um, Andrew Wilkinson is a co-founder of Tiny Capital based in Vancouver, British Columbia. In 2006, Andrew founded MetaLab Design, one of the world's top design agencies. After rapid growth, he used the profits to diversify into a variety of businesses, which today form Tiny Andrew has gone from working out of his apartment just over a decade ago to overseeing a group of companies with more than 300 employees and tens of millions in revenue. Andrew is a major shareholder and serves as director of WeCommerce, not WooCommerce, WeCommerce, holding a company that owns a family of companies and brands in the Shopify partner ecosystem. WeCommerce went public in December 2020 and trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol WE. Um, And... Basically, he made a tweet, and I think it's really important. He said, this was a couple days ago, a few weeks ago, I removed podcasts from my phone. Podcasts are mostly people repeating ideas you already agree with or talking about things that trigger anxiety, current events, problems, triggers. This has me reading audiobooks, net net to new learning 24-7, 10% happier for sure. And, of course, there's a lot of comments in there and stuff like that. Um, I just want to kind of touch base on this because I think it's really important for consumption and learning. And as somebody who went, who still goes through my own personal journey, I have a love-hate relationship with self-help. Um, so, like, the self-help industry has sold us the idea that consumption of, inf- of information equals learning. That's not true, and it never was. Learning is finding answers and solutions to like current problems, whether it be with you or society or whatever it is. This is why reading for the sake of reading at one point gives diminishing returns. Every new book is a repetition. We see that extremely, extremely so much in self-help. I cannot tell you when I was going through my divorce for like four years ago, I read I, I, I listen to audio books. I listen to more audiobooks than I did anything. And it was a lot of like a lot. I've listened to a lot of business ones and even podcasts. And the reason I'm saying an echo chamber is I am so guilty of this, just like everybody else is. We get into a confirmation bias. And this is just my opinion. But I think this is extremely crucial. self help's not a bad thing, but there's it's like when you just constantly digest it, it's the same programming as everything else. And even my podcast with this thing, it's like I try my I try so damn hard to not to not have a bias about which way it goes. And I try to look at the data and the facts as best as I can and then form my own opinion. I, there's probably shit tons of people that listen to this podcast are like this guy's a fucking idiot. And that's okay. I'm not mad about it, but it's like... I I think for me I I don't I was telling a couple friends a couple weeks ago like I really don't listen to podcasts anymore. And it's not cuz I don't like it, it's just like I I just like I don't want to listen to the same things over and over again. I I don't I you know the self-help ones. I used to listen to them all the time. The Tony Robbins one, uh he had one. Um I used to listen to uh Oh, shit. Now I can't remember his name. Um, James Art. Art I'm going to butcher his last name. James Artucher. Um He has a really good podcast, does interviews. But even his, I was like, I I just got tired of it. Um, oh, there was the other guy, too. Um, shit. Now I can't remember his name. Um, damn it. I don't remember his name now. It's on the tip of my tongue, too. And he's actually a really big podcaster as well, but he's kind of he's kind of a self help guy. But he's he's pretty cool. But I just can't I can't do it anymore. And this is again just my opinion on the whole situation. We get stuck in a confirmation bias and an echo chamber on on all sides. Not just you know when you find that 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 sweet spot. And this is where community is a great thing. But I think it's where exchange of ideas and not being set in your ways I'm a firm believer the one one of the things I took from self-help that was really beneficial for me was never be the smartest person in a room I totally agree with that like you should always be learning from other people around you that doesn't mean you're not smart smarter than anybody else in certain subject but it's like you can learn things from everybody if you're in the room and you're not the smartest person um that's I don't know. That's how I live my life. But I think the self-help industry has sold us that idea that consumption of information equals learning. And it's really hard because when you're reading for the sake of reading, at one point, it just gives diminishing returns. It's like that with a lot of stuff, though. So I really wanted to call attention to this. I thought this tweet was really important in terms of consumption and learning and how burnout and when you're constantly... Just like the tweet says... Um, let me reread it real quick again. Podcasts are mostly people repeating ideas you already agree, already agree with or talking about things that trigger anxiety. I hope on this podcast, it's not that you agree with me. It challenges your thought perception and that it makes you deep dive into certain things. Um, and like I've said, you don't have to listen to me, but I, I have a marketing background. I've said this on the podcast so many times. I can't tell you what to think, but I can tell you what to think about. And if I'm doing my job as, and I don't make money off this podcast. The reason I say it like that is if I'm doing my job as somebody giving you out information and it makes you actually start to contemplate and think that you have to research this stuff, then I'm doing my job. You're not agreeing with me. You're wanting to see it for yourself and see what it is. That's my job is to question. And I hope that's what you pull from all this. Because you don't have to agree with me, but if it makes you start to see that the bigger overall picture isn't just black and white, it's a grayscale, that's my job, and I did that. But I can understand exactly where this guy's coming from and why I stopped. I really have stopped listening to a lot of podcasts, and I'm sad. I, like, there's a ton of good ones that I, I, I still do love. I just I can't, I can only digest it in small bits. Anyway, all right, so moving on to the next thing the perfect democracy may not be what you think. Um, I'm gonna read something that's. Th- I saw this and I thought, this is <laughs> this is exactly a perfect example. Um, Aldous Huxley said this: the perfect dictatorship would have the appearance of a democracy, but would basically be a prison without walls, in which the prisons when the prisoners would not even dream of escaping. It would essentially be a system of slavery where through consumption and entertainment, the slaves would love their their servitudes, which basically means we would love our people that are in charge of us and in control. Um, and in in terms of that, it kind of goes hand in hand with something I wanted to read about. Um, this was another tweet from just a random person. I thought this this poses kind of the beginning of the the podcast with the same thing with self-help and the society that we live in that like that same concept of like like the Tony Robbins of the world and I and I really enjoyed some of Tony Robbins stuff but it's like that abundance mentality type thing in self-help that you're kind of like you you create this you know you create your path and all this shit and this tweet really kind of resonated with me again this is just I I read this and I thought, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, lockdown poses its own mental health challenges, but can we please stop pretending our former world of long working hours, stressful commutes, hectic crowds, shopping centers, infinite choice, mass consumerism, air pollution, and 24-7 everything was a mental health utopia. That, to me, goes hand in hand with the first part of this podcast as well, as well as what... Um, Aldous Huxley just, uh, what I just read a, for his quote, the perfect dictatorship would have the appearance of a democracy, but would basically be a prison without walls in which the prisoners would not even dream of escaping. It would essentially be a system of slavery where through consumption and entertainment, the slaves would love their servitudes. And that was from 1931, I believe. I'm not telling you you have to agree with everything I say. I'm not saying that, you know, and I hate saying this because it's like, I have, I have family and friends that I love dearly. And it's not that I don't want a normal to come back. It's that the old normal to me was really, really not that good. It, it wasn't helpful. Um, it was stressful, you know, and, and again, that's my problem. I need to change my perception of it. But at the same time, it's It goes into the next part of the podcast that I'm going to talk about. I, and I'm, I'm only saying this to sum it up real quick. When I do these podcasts, I know they're really short, condensed stuff. And most of the time I put the sources in there. I don't want to bore you with stupid shit. And if I bore you and you shut it off, okay, I get it. But I try to make this like a, a rhythm of like, this leads into this, leads into this, leads into this. Like I've said before on this podcast, follow the breadcrumbs. So I'm trying to show you that there's like conditioning, there's there's a lot of stuff that's going in to all this. And I'm not that I'm the right person of any kind that's like, you know, I've got it all figured out. I'm not saying that. But this next part kind of goes hand in hand with the same Huxley quote and and the previous tweet that I just read. Um And that's basically the cost of living within like a math equation. All right. So in February 2020, the average cost of rent was $1,468 a month. Okay. So this was before lockdown. This was the previous normal. This is where I'm getting into with the last tweet I just talked about that somebody tweeted out that I absolutely agree with for that cost so with $1468 a month across the United States for the cost to the for that to cost less than a quarter of your income cuz that's what everybody tells you right your mortgage or your rent should be a quarter of your income got it for that cost to for that to cost less than a quarter of your income as suggested you would need to make roughly $5887 a month okay Average rent is $1,468 a month across the United States. If 25% of your income is to cover that, that, that's your rent, you would have to be making $5,887 a month for a 40-hour work week. That comes out to $36.79 an hour. I am not here to tell you of liberal beliefs or conservative beliefs. Neither side is right. Neither side is wrong. There's a huge fucking problem we have in society in America today, maybe across the, the, the world. I've, I don't live in other parts of the country or other parts of the world. I live in the United States. That is a huge fucking problem that many conservatives don't understand when we say minimum wage needs to be raised. Well, then lower the rent to equate to a livable wage, $1,468 a month. If a quarter of that is my, if that's my rent and it's a quarter of my salary, then my salary better be $5,887 a month. And if not, the reason I challenge a lot of conservatives is because a lot of you are in the working middle class. So think about it. You're the ones that are not benefiting. There's investors that come in and buy these homes and these apartment buildings, and then they jack up the price on everybody. But then you're mad that there's people living on the streets or you're mad that there's people living in cars because people can't afford it. We need to raise minimum wage. It really should be at $22 an hour if it kept up with inflation. Again, I went off on liberals the other day on this podcast. I'm going off on conservatives right now. This is where it's a grayscale. You don't have to side with either side on everything. Not all of capitalism is good, just like not all socialism is good. Not all capitalism is bad, just like not all socialism is bad. There's certain aspects of it that make it good or bad. We can have a dynamic system. Is it going to be perfect? Absolutely not. There is no such thing as a utopia. People on both sides need to get that through their fucking head. There's no such thing as utopia. Deal with that. But I thought this was a valid point to bring up on the cost of, a, the cost of living done with math If you're going to make, if you're going to understand it, I just thought, and so again, that goes into (laughs) self-help, which goes into, which that first tweet I read from Andrew Wilkinson, then it goes into the the Hugsley quote of, you know, the false democracy from the, from the powers that be up above us, the people calling all the fucking shots that don't give a shit about you. Like I've talked about on both sides, and again, just as a joke, I read today Nancy Pelosi called the one, the other congressional person in Congress or whatever, Don Johnson from Miami Vice. And it wasn't, it was the last, I was like, these people that are in charge, I'm going to get the, again, I'm going into the last segment I have on here. She is old. I don't have anything. I don't have an ageism problem. What I have a problem with is these people who are in office that are really old and don't want to change the system. I'm going to go into my next thing now. So my last part of the segment, the call for decentralized and evolving. Okay. The call for decentralized and evolving, just like our archaic politicians across the board, the Mitch McConnell's, the Lindsey Graham's, the Chuck Schumer's, the Nancy Pelosi's, you name it. They're all across the board archaic. So just like our archaic politicians, maybe it's time to update not only our infrastructure, but also our financial system. The reason I bring this up, I'm going to read real quick. Fed outage raises questions on Wall Street as services restored. Why is this a big fucking deal? Well, let me read a little bit. This is a Bloomberg article, but there was a CNBC article that I actually have right here that I should just pull up just so you guys... So the Fed system that allows banks to send money actually fucking crashed, basically. It went down. Why is that a big deal? Okay, well, let me read a little bit of this article, and then I'm going to go into why it's archaic and why we need to change it. Or we, we should—I shouldn't say why we are—I should say my opinion. First off, this is from the article. For about four hours Wednesday, which was yesterday— Federal Reserve systems that execute millions of financial transactions a day, everything from payroll to tax refunds to interbank transfers, were disrupted by what appeared to be some sort of internal glitch. Systems were restored by the end of the day, but the outages once again raised questions about the resilience of critical infrastructure that Americans rely on to process payments. The the episode follows two significant disruptions to the Fed's payment services that occurred in 2019. It does rare awareness. It does raise awareness about whether the about what their business continuing, to, continuing I don't know how to say that fucking word. I'm sorry, people. Continuity, I'm sorry. Let me restart that. <laughs> it does raise awareness about where the where their business where their business can, continuity measures are and what's going on over a single point of failure that doesn't have a lot of redundancies? It's pretty concerning, said David Hart, president of consulting firm NetBank Audit, who was previously a senior bank examiner and IT auditor at the Richmond Fed. Why am I bringing this up? Okay, I, again, the archaicness of our, of our leaders don't want to change things. What am I bringing up? So Wednesday, that same day, I want to read another article. So this is for future. These are like the younger generations, the younger millennials underneath that, whatever they call them, all the zillennials and all that shit. And my daughter, who's almost nine years old, those generations, if they're even around for future, JP Morgan's blockchain payments tests is literally out of this world. I'm going to read a little bit of this because this is important. Stuck in space with bills to pay? Don't worry. The satellites could take care of it. J.P. Morgan Chase has recently tested blockchain payments between satellites orbiting the, the Earth. Executives at the bank told Reuters, showing the digital devices could use the technology behind virtual currencies for transactions. I'm going to stop for just a second. Blockchain is what Bitcoin runs on. Am I saying you need to buy, buy, buy Bitcoin? No, absolutely not. But the technology it runs on is so fucking critical. The Fed is centralized. The Fed controls everything, just like politicians control everything. They want their hands in every single thing you do. Decentralized is not a bad thing. It's almost free. This is exactly free market. So I'm speaking to you, conservative libertarians. You should be behind blockchain. It's decentralized. The technology. You don't have to be behind Bitcoin, but you should be behind decentralized currency. It, it it's deregulated, which means the Fed can't manipulate and they can't make the rich keep getting richer. The The market actually demands what the value of the currency is. That's the beauty of it. Nobody can manipulate it. That's why they don't want you to have it. That's why the people in charge want the system to stay archaic. The same assholes in charge. Again, I said this the last podcast. and I know there's so many people who fucking hate me for this and I, I, I get it. You're tired of me saying the same fucking thing. But I'm trying to prove the point. That it's like... Decentralized is not a bad thing. It's... You know, and everybody's like... Well, it's deregulated. It's not a bad thing to deregulate currency. This is where there's a grayscale. I wouldn't necessarily say deregulate other things. I'm saying there needs to be regulations on certain aspects of society. But on currency? Why? Let... That's supply and demand. And they can't control it and manipulate it like they're doing with the markets right now. I want to finish reading a little bit of this too. I think this is so fucking important. The so-called Internet of Things or IoT where devices connect to one another is most associated with consumer electronics, including smart speakers like Amazon Echo and Google Home. And banks want to be ready to process payments when these smart devices start doing transactions autonomously. Um the idea was to explore IoT payments in a fully decentralized way. Nowhere is more decentralized and detached from Earth than space. Secondly, we are nerdy, and it was much more fun, it was much more fun way to test IoT. Um, the test also showed it could be possible to create a marketplace where satellites send each other data in exchange for payments as more private companies launch their own devices into space. Uh, Tyrone Loban, head of blockchain launch at Onyx said. "Um, Blockchain, which first emerged as a software underpinning cryptocurrencies, is a shared digital ledger of transactions. Financial companies have invested millions of dollars to find uses for the technology, hoping it can reduce costs and simplify more complex IT processes such as securities, settlement or international payments. Let me say this, blockchain is almost non-able to be hacked. That's the beauty of it. In all, in all of Bitcoin's infancy right now, Bitcoin's been around since after financial collapse. It was the reason B- Bitcoin was created. This is not my vouch to be like, you need to go buy Bitcoin. I'm trying to prove the point. You, it's, you have to hack 51% of the ledger. The ledger is equated by everybody that owns a piece of that blockchain. So whatever it is, medical records, smart contracts, all this shit is more secure. I did a fucking My Music Man podcast. I did an exact thing on blockchain. I should link it in the fucking description because it talks exactly about this. I'm not trying to get all emotional, excited about this. I just want people to understand the system's fucking archaic. It's shutting down everywhere, left and right. And the old powers that be need to be fucking out of office because they don't allow the new things to change. And the old system doesn't work anymore. The old normal that we all keep wanting to go back to wasn't that fucking great mentally for most of us. Most of us are in denial, though, because we're so afraid of the other thing on the other end. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just as guilty. But we need to progress And that's not me saying we need to be progressive. I'm saying, like, we need to move forward in society. And this archaic way of thinking, all of it, and we live in echo chambers, and we don't want to hear other people's ideas, is a fucking problem. Oh, man. I didn't mean to go off on a huge tangent, but I thought these things were extremely important to go off of. Um, Again, this podcast isn't to, like, necessarily change, you know... It's. I want you to think. I want you to understand and search for the questions yourself or the answers for yourself. And and there's a grayscale. You don't have to side with either fucking side. It's okay. Welcome to the welcome to the land of misfits. Like, you know that that's what it's about. Have free thought. You know, decentralize your ideas. That was kind of stupid and cheesy. I'm sorry. All right. I think I'm gonna end it at that. Um, There's been way more podcast listens, which is fucking awesome. I'm really glad to see, like, I can't believe how many people are actually listening. I'm like, holy shit. And I don't, again, I don't make any fucking money off this. I don't Patreon this shit. I don't post it anywhere. It's just strictly on the podcast uh, distribution site. So please feel free to share this. If there's people that you feel like need to listen to it, I don't discriminate against anybody. It's more like And I would love to have more interviews. So if there's people that have valid situations and they want to be interviewed, I'm all ears. I believe my email address is in the description. I hope it is. At least I think I posted in there. Um, Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. You're all beautiful. I love you all. You have a good one. This week's podcast was brought to you by ConnectGo Internet Inc. Bringing your business to the future, connectgo.com.